0: Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I am discussing separating guilt from empathy, worry from love, and emotional boundaries. If I ask any highly sensitive person, how often and how much guilt do you feel, often the response I receive is, all the time for everything, I constantly feel guilty. Guilt can feel profound or it can feel subtle. If this concept is puzzling to you, start noticing how often you say or feel, sorry, I'm sorry, my bad, oops, I'm so sorry. Has anyone ever told you that you apologize too much? Much of our lives as highly sensitive people may be guilt-driven before we become aware of this dynamic. I can say the same for anxiety, that most HSPs are reporting feeling tremendous anxiety, often constantly or most of the time about themselves or their loved ones or the state of the world, and often in the name of love or loving. Why? How is this possible that a tribe of people who collectively want goodness for themselves and the world, who try very hard to do the right thing, who are here right now listening, trying to grow themselves, heal themselves, trying to do their part to break cycles of dysfunction in family trees and to be a positive force in the world? How is it that we feel an overabundance of guilt? That just doesn't seem right but it's often what happens on the individual level. My quick generalized summary of reasons for HSPs feeling too much guilt or too much anxiety is that childhood trauma heightens sensitivity. And in dysfunctional families of origin, the parental units either take little to no responsibility that leads the HSP to grow up grabbing the responsibility that their parents didn't take, and making themselves responsible for things that aren't their own. Or we come from a covert narcissist or a martyred dynamic. That kind of parent can twist and manipulate and be victim or immature. This is the kind of person that sends their kid to college who wanted their kid to go to college their whole lives, but then says, oh, I'll miss you, I'll be so lonely. I don't know how I'll get by or how I'll deal with dad or life without you or how I'll deal with the other parent without you. Are you sure you want to live in the dorm? Are you sure you want to go away to college? This is guilt-inducing. A healthier parental energy says in this moment, maybe through tears, I'm so proud of you. I'm going to miss you. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but I know I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to create a new normal, just as you were tasked to do at school. I want you to call. I want you to come home. I want you to visit me as often as you can, please. I love you. Be safe. In this example, we can see how a grounded, mature adult can acknowledge their sadness, can acknowledge their grief, their feeling of fear, of change, without guilting the person just living their life and going on to college, which in most cases is exactly what the parents wanted for their kid all along. These types of confusing mixed messages to feel guilty about not needing a parent when the point of growing up is to need parents less and step into your own capability to self-care and grow alive, is highly dysfunctional. My overthinkers out there I know many of you listening identify as overthinkers and you are exhausted in mind body by overthinking almost every single moment of your life and every future possibility that doesn't even happen do you come from such mixed messaging is a lot of your overthinking fueled by confusion by guilt for just being yourself living life making choices Is your overthinking fueled by worrying about others, worrying about self as you just try to live? In the former example, loving and guilting, when it comes from the parents twisted up dysfunctionally, it teaches us to confuse love with guilt. It teaches us to confuse care with feeling badly receiving the care. Healthy guilt is about having done something wrong that needs correction. That's why we feel it. Because we're wired to be tribal creatures, to relate to each other. But we should not be feeling guilty for being alive, for taking up space, for needing what we need, for wanting what we want, for having opinions, desires, and for growing up into ourselves and creating our own lives separate from our family of origin Even if our own adult lives very much include our families of origin, it is our task to grow into our own adult lives. Those of us who were raised by very anxious parents will also have a similar dynamic when it comes to worry and love or worry and care. Anxious parents tend to teach, not that they know that they're teaching this, but anxious parents tend to teach that the smartest way to exist is hypervigilantly. That loving is worrying. That if you were experiencing discomfort right now in this moment, it is not because uncomfortable things happen as the universe spins on unorganized chaos. Rather, in this dynamic, we are taught that our current discomfort is because I didn't pay enough attention. I didn't stand guard with full shields. I should be more on guard for next time. This is smart. It's never really said out loud, but the resulting internalized belief from this dynamic tells us that being present or being calm is stupid, even careless. And if you're present and not hyper vigilantly overthinking, overpaying attention, looking at every worst case scenario, well, then you just deserve whatever pain comes your way, which is a self guilting dynamic once this is internalized. And none of us know that we're internalizing this while we're internalizing this. I want to briefly explain the difference between guilt and shame. They're certainly cousins. Guilt is about an act, a single act. It's a, oops, I backed over your bicycle with my car. That guilty feeling, that ice-cold feeling that runs through my veins, that drop in the pit of my stomach, knowing, oh, I've done something that's going to hurt somebody else. I've done something that I need to fix. I need to make this right because I have done a wrong. That feeling puts my body into action to go make a correction. That's very important in how we are biologically wired to relate to one another. Shame is internalized guilt. Shame happens when I don't have proper emotional boundaries as taught by a dysfunctional childhood. If guilt says, oh, this was wrong, I need to fix or attend or own this. Shame says, oh, I did another wrong thing. Something is wrong with me. Not just the thing that I did, but the wrongness resides in me. The problem is with who I am, not with what I did. And abuse creates shame. Because abusers do not take responsibility for themselves. So we tend to process on a subconscious level that if we are being abused, it's because we deserve it. It's because something is wrong with me. Because when I'm a kid, if I subconsciously look at another child who's not being abused, they seem better than me They seem more right, and I seem more wrong because wrong things are happening to me. That's the best my little kid consciousness can come up with, and it's deep. It's not a conscious thought. It's a subconscious belief that develops. Neglect also creates shame, and we cannot help but grow into these dysfunctional beliefs when our needs are dismissed or bulldozed. The real tragedy is that these beliefs sort of stick to our bones and we take those beliefs forward. Almost everything that you hear me talk about on this show or if you're on the Patreon or if you work with me individually is in some way about untwisting these beliefs from our psyches while compassionately understanding and then forgiving ourselves for believing this dysfunction. Forgiving ourselves for believing what we were taught. We had no choice but to believe in. And that's a forgiveness process with self, not because we did anything wrong, but because we accidentally denied our gut. Because our gut, our intuitive self knows, has always known that we are worthy. That it's okay to have needs. That it is okay to take up space It is okay to be a person on this planet who requires the use of resources. You know how the little boy in the movie The Sixth Sense says, I see dead people? Well, I see boundaries, and I see them or the need for them many, many places. I'm talking to you today about cultivating an internal emotional boundary. As highly sensitive people, I'll say that if we want to feel peaceful in mind and body, And I'm especially talking to you if you are struggling with autoimmune issues because autoimmune issues in our highly sensitive community run amok. And I can simply describe these in an emotional way as part of the self attacking the self. And if you are emotionally attacking yourself out of some of this learned shame with perfectionism, with what is wrong with me, something must be wrong with me, then your body has no choice but to respond. I'm a big believer that emotional boundaries are key to healing, not just emotionally and mentally, but in this way also physically, and something no doctor or medication can give, which is learning emotional boundaries between love and worry, between guilt and empathy. And I guarantee you, me, and all of us, we want guilt. Sociopaths have no empathy and no guilt. And narcissists have low to no empathy and so low to no guilt. And I know that many of you listening out there, many highly sensitive people, you kind of secretly, from a place of pain, you secretly and neurotically wonder uh oh, am I a secret narcissist? Is the deep down dark truth that I am some kind of undercover asshole who cuts people off so easily and quickly? And I can't guarantee on this microphone that you don't have narcissistic traits unless I meet you and speak with you and assess you. But information and studies keep surfacing and affirming that we are clearly growing more narcissists due to social media and everything that that contains. But for those of you who question if you are a narcissist secretly, I want you to know that narcissists don't question if they're a narcissist. They're not worried about that. And if they do question or reflect on, am I a narcissist? They tend to see narcissistic traits as some kind of asset to be admired. They don't self-reflect in a way that creates true forward motion or change. They only invite change that self-serves. So consider Letting that self-torturous question go and continuing your self-development work. If it's really bothersome to you, you can work with and ask a mental health professional directly to receive some feedback about, am I really a narcissist? Do I have some of these traits? And to be able to let that go and put that issue to bed for your mind, for your heart, for your body.
1: Would you like to relax or fall asleep? while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility, filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson. Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com.
0: And if you struggle with the idea that you cut people off too quickly, I want to strongly encourage you to examine that. Because I want to know, is that what you've been told by the very people who you've left or cut off? And was it really quickly? Often when I hear a highly sensitive person say, Oh, Nikki, I just, something's wrong with me. I cut off people way too quickly. I'm not going to have anybody. When we look underneath The moss or the rocks of that belief. We tend to both learn in that moment that, in fact, it wasn't really quick. It was often years and years and years of trying to make something work and hitting wall after wall of unwillingness, or even learning that some of our family members are just incapable of change or growth, or even the bare minimum of acknowledgement. Maybe the story you've been telling yourself is inaccurate. Maybe you've just been surrounded by low-vibe, immature people and you have felt a calling to transcend low vibes and vibrate higher. After all, we just get this one precious life. If this is a struggle for you in the ways that I'm naming, I can encourage doing some writing if this topic piques your interest, if it tickles your intuition funny bone, if you do decide that you cut people off way too quickly and easily Consider learning more about avoidance and doing some work to make peace with where to lean in and when it's okay to lean out and letting go of that self torturous question that sort of doesn't go anywhere except lingering in your system. I wanted to find empathy. This is my definition. It's empathy is the ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, it's an ability to feel or to sense or even to imagine in mind and to feel in body what another being is going through. And we do that. We're wired to do that as people to offer the possibility of support because we are tribal because we all do need help and support to get all the way through this life with codependent traits that we learn in dysfunctional family and dysfunctional societal systems we can misbelieve that we're supposed to fix someone else's pain. This is the crux of codependency. Or we believe that someone cannot handle pain. Or a sometimes deeper truth is we might believe that we can't handle feeling the discomfort of the other person's pain. All of this is a sad setup that interweaves empathy and guilt. If you believe deep down that you're supposed to take away the pain of other people, then you will definitely feel guilty that you cannot do that work for another human being. We can do work to work on accepting that holding space, that listening to others, that acknowledgement, that witnessing, and even offering solutions if they're asked for. Or even giving some solutions. This is starting to walk a line or push a line but we can even give some solutions and see if they're received and if they are received that's okay and if they're not we can pull back that's all we can really healthily require of ourselves in healing codependency we start to recognize and integrate the truth that other people have to work through their own stuff themselves When we heal our codependency traits that exhaust us, that overcomplicate relationships, that make things messy and enmeshed, we invite healing. We invite healthier boundaries, healthier self-respect that does not participate in setting up unattainable goals like fixing other people's pain or eliminating their pain. Now, it definitely feels positive and light to help someone feel better. But that is different than taking it on as a burden that is different than making it a responsibility that is heavy That is different than creating a story of I better do this or else so-and-so will drown They need me Which disempowers the other person Which takes away from their strength and their capability of figuring it out Essentially, when we try to overhelp or overfix, it's like we're looking at someone else saying, I don't believe you're capable and I need you to need me. Can you hear how that gets all twisted? We all need help sometimes, but help is an assistance. It is a support beam. It doesn't carry the whole weight. It's not a message of, hello, I'm here with my superhero cape on to carry the load that belongs to you. And this work is nuanced. It's why it's beneficial to have a guide. If you stay up with episodes of the show and you stay current, then recently you listened to an episode where I interviewed Lisa Tahir, my main guide so far in this life. I have always been figuring it out myself. And since I've known Lisa, Lisa has been there to guide me when I start to get lost, to sort of holler from the wellness path, hey, over here, I see the path, which way do you want to go? Which is a way to say to someone, I know you feel like you don't know what you're doing, but you do know deep down. And only by doing and leaning in will you begin to know what I already see so clearly in you, that you are wildly capable of figuring this out. So the true help, the deeper help, is actually learning how to not overhelp." In summary, I hope that there is something in this episode that helps you understand yourself or someone you love. In healing, we untwist what dysfunction in our families and in our societies, twist it up so that we have clarity, peace, and more joy and fulfillment. We separate and redefine so many things on the healing journey. We learn how to separate help from enabling function from dysfunction gray from the polars of black and white healthy hope from dysfunctional hope love and trust there's a whole episode on just separating love and trust on the itunes feed you guys we separate empathy from guilt worry from love and along the way doing this work brings us to the ultimate universal goal whether we know this is our universal goal or not, of separating insecurity from security. Maybe you've never felt secure before. I know I hadn't till I did. I swear security is available to you. And to feel secure in self, to feel secure in who I am, to feel secure in who you are, loving ourselves as a flawed human creature Security in owning mistakes, security in how I'm living life, in how I'm loving myself and others, and in how I trust myself to take care of myself no matter what life throws at me. This security, this is the freedom that I believe highly sensitive people and survivors deserve, crave, and are going after. Please take From this episode and all episodes, what works for you and absolutely leave the rest, toss it out the window. If you want to learn more with me and join the Boundaries course in 2021, where I teach live over the course of six weeks, I teach 14 live webinars that you have access to for an entire year when you sign up. With lessons that are written out that go with every single webinar. I have effective, simple communication scripts that you can practice and make your own. If you're interested in doing that work with me this October, come secure your spot. You can do that at emotionalbadass.com or NikkiEisenhower.com. The space that I teach in, it's like a big college online classroom for this event. And many of you will participate and ask questions of me, the teacher, while I'm teaching live. And many of you will hang back and observe And I invite you to learn in the way that resonates with you and make the course your own. You may use code EARLYBIRD2021 to receive $100 off if paid in full. But if you're a member of Patreon, make sure that you go find the code. We always give our best discounts to our Patreon supporters of the show. And it's pinned in a real obvious place when you log into patreon.com backslash emotional badass. If you're not a patron and you're interested in coming to grab that coupon to join the course or to look at all of the content that we have there, I think we have up to 40 exclusive episodes that are unavailable anywhere else, not on iTunes, not on our website, just on Patreon. In some of the Patreon episodes, I share a little bit more intimately, like my experience of going through Catholic sex ed in fifth grade. Or the time I had food poisoning at an out-of-town work function at my first professional job, and I crapped my bathing suit and passed out at the same time. And I'm not kidding. It changed my life in a very positive way. So that's one of my favorite kind of funny episodes that's on the Patreon. You can listen to that immediately and get the code to the course. I want to thank our Patreon subscribers. When you subscribe to Patreon, you are supporting and voting for emotional badass to stay commercial-free. I know that all the podcasts that you like, they they get commercials eventually, don't they? Well, that's because it costs a tremendous amount of time and money to really make a show sound well put together and sound good to your highly sensitive ears. We cannot do the show without your support, and y'all have supported us tremendously from the beginning. Thank you for those of you who support us at Patreon. Thank you to those of you who share episodes with your friends, with your families, with your loved ones, therapists who share episodes with clients. Thank you so, so much. We thank all of you for your continued support. This is a beautiful circle of y'all out there supporting me and my team getting this show out to highly sensitive people and survivors across the entire world. I bubble over with gratitude, y'all. Every time I say it, that's why my tears come. This episode was about separating things. Well, my heart feels swole (laughs) with what has come together on the healing path and the things that I will never separate are love, light, healing, and gratitude. I am an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I will see you next time right here. Until that time, take care light and love. Bye-bye.
1: dot com.